0: turkey call all access the official podcast of the national wall turkey federation brought to you by tetra hearing Turkey call all access is a digital campfire where the host and guest discuss topics of the day conservation efforts tips and techniques to better your experience as a field and to share our members stories man oh man i can't believe it's been over a week since we've been home from convention, never mind the start of it, time certainly does fly when you're having fun. If you were at convention, if you were in Nashville, you know exactly what I'm talking about, man, we had a time. It was, uh, it was nothing short of awesome. There was energy, there was electricity and it was a damn good time, man. Uh, so if you're, if you're missing that energy, if, uh, if you're having like, uh, still in that, uh, post-convention hangover and not the literal hangover i mean like just being with everybody and all the excitement and all the all the culture and nuance that comes with being a part of the nwtf family Man, we got a treat for you. Two parter here. We're gonna drop, uh, we're gonna drop a episode uh, today, and then uh, we're gonna drop one in a couple days on our on our normal Thursday. So a special midweek release, uh, and then we're gonna come at you with part two. Uh, we, for the first time ever, had our NWTF podcast, Turkey Call All Access podcast, official podcast of the National Wild Turkey Federation on. The stage, uh, well, both stages, right? So uh, we had a a show uh, stage on the show floor, where we invited friends and family in to just a just to cut it up, man, talk about being back together and things like that. Uh, we also had a live stage show um, with our friends, the Smiths from. Minority Outdoor Alliance, Darrell and Ashley, Mary O'Neill Phillips from uh, Country Outdoors joined us as well for that uh, that live stage show. Man, it was awesome. If you haven't seen it, a full episode available on uh, the Tree Call All Access YouTube page. I invite you to go sit there. It's about 30, 38 minute long set, but it was awesome. And uh, the feedback from that was so great. Um, we got something in the hopper cooking cooking for all of you. Um so more to come on that, but for right now, guys, I want to bring to you just a, a whole host of fun folks. Uh, we're catching up with Cuz Strickland from Nomad, Jason Hart, and Mike Tussey from North American Trapper, Alan Probst. Uh, we're gonna invite Connor Mobley and Nathaniel Maddox, both of Slayton and Glass, and Connor, uh, the 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 feature star. He'll make fun of me for saying that uh, of the um, the road series. Ben Bredington of Onyx. Good stuff there. Uh, We welcome in Rob Keck. We're going to have Justin Adams, David Yellis. Who else are we having in? Josh Bagwell, uh, newly elected to our national board, Bear Davidson out of Virginia. Melissa Bachman joins us. Preston Pittman. uh, Mary O'Neill Phillips again. Sydney Wells of Barstool Outdoors jumps in on that set. Um, Also with Zach, he joins us as as well uh tom Oprah, uh just uh, so many great folks that came in to talk to us uh over like a, a day and a half so that's where we're going not necessarily in all of those order i'm gonna try to keep it in that order uh just to kind of keep consistency through the day but um the two days but uh guys it was it was so awesome if you're on the show floor there was just a. Uh, Oh yeah, Pup Westfall, my buddy Pup. Uh, you guys have heard from him in the past. So anyway, I'm still excited. I'm still stumbling over my words because there's just so much information to get out. Big intro here, guys, but there's a lot here. Uh, enjoy uh, these episodes. You're definitely going to get the flavor of the show. There was a lot of background noise. Uh, I know Engineer Gilbert uh, worked his, his tail off to uh, to make this um, easy to listen to. Sometimes it got real loud on the show floor, so uh, it, it, it doesn't come without a craft of of getting this down but you get the flavor of it and that's what we wanted we wanted you to hear that that show buzz so uh sit back relax enjoy get refired up it's it's march 1st when this drops turkey seasons are happening this is it man we are we are in it 2022 get fired up get get excited we're going there 90 seconds
1: let's go Hey, y'all, I'm Jason Hart, founder of Nomad Hunting Clothing. Nomad is proud to be a supporting sponsor of the National Wild Turkey Federation and their podcast hosted by my longtime buddy, Fred Berg. At Nomad, we're bringing simplicity and authenticity back to hunting. Whether you hunt to escape your hectic work life, for locally sourced organic meat, or to socialize with friends, to uphold your favorite family traditions, we're with you and we do the same. At Nomad, we understand your gears and investments, so our products are engineered and priced for every hunter, tested in the real world, and designed to last. Hunting is in all of us. Nomad is with you.
2: Turkey hunters find everything you need to succeed at sportsmansguide.com. From decoys and calls to apparel, boots, and blinds. Plus, Sportsman's Guide has much more than just hunting gear, from fishing, camping, and adventure to family barbecues and backyard bonfires. For everything you love about the great outdoors, you'll find it all at Sportsman's Guide. Shop sportsmansguide.com today.
3: Under the visionary leadership of founder Johnny Morris, Bass Pro Shops in Cabela's is leading North America's largest conservation movement. Their partnership with the National Wild Turkey Federation is a match made in heaven for hunters across America. The Save the Habitat, Save the Hunt initiative continues to be a resounding success, with more than $6 million provided for conserving wildlife habitat, recruiting more hunters, and opening more access to hundreds of thousands of acres across the nation. To learn more, go to BassPro.com conservation.
4: It's very unique in that outdoor world, and I love coming up here. It's uh
0: I I often say it's uh it's probably the purest audience And as far as consumer shows, and anything like that. And it extends beyond the sports show. Like we say it's the family reunion, and, and that's exactly what it is.
4: Yeah, it's it's the only show I bring my whole entire family. I got a couple of grandkids up here, they had to check out of school, their mom brought them, but they want to come to this. It's not like I'm pushing town, do you want to go see this? They love coming here because it's so, you know, they love knives and trapping and turkey calls and camo and, and food and all that stuff. It's like a special event. I missed it so much last year and I said this when I was opening the show. I, I got a little depressed there. I, I handled all that other stuff pretty good, but not coming to Nashville this show, I, I got a little depressed. So I'm, I was one of the first ones here. Well, you start
0: looking at the calendar around this show and it really, it's our segue into the season. Yeah. Especially you guys down South, you guys are getting ready to open up shop.
4: This week, I had, uh, my first hunt has been for 15 years. It's the Wounded Vets Hunt down in South Florida. It's kind of put on by the Florida Cattlemen's Association first Saturday in March. And we go down there and it's not like an outfitter. You kind of go down there every year and find the turkeys, check with the cowboys, build some blinds and all that. But I mean, I'm just days away from heading down there. And I know people say, well, I can't afford to go to Florida. Well, you know, this is all about those wounded soldiers. And, and the Florida Cattlemen's people are just opening up these ranches, and we're guiding them. And it's the—it's kind of like Daytona. You have your big event right out of the gate. Yeah, right. Exactly right. Yeah, my most fun yeah. events, the first one.
0: What? Um, you got a full slate of folks coming in there this this next week. Is it always?
4: You know, the, the the Florida Wounded Veterans Hunts put on this. We have a guy, General Randy West, 35-year Marine. He's also an ordained minister. He kind of picks them. He picks them. He 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 picks people that really need some time out, you know, because severely wounded veterans sometimes, you know, they're suicidal, they're depressed, and all that. And he hand picks these people to come to these events. We've been doing it for 15 years, and I'd say 80 percent of them are in wheelchairs and stuff. And we've kind of we've kind of tweaked our hunting stuff to to where we just kind of wait on them, cook farm build a fire, get them guys talking and, you know, kind of back out. But it is the most humbling thing, you know, when you see what these, you know, warriors have been through. So to be able to go there there it ain't about the hunt. Sure. Yeah. Eagle wise, you want them to kill a turkey, yeah, of course, but that ain't the main reason they're there. So yeah, it's uh, it's pretty humbling.
0: Outdoors turkey hunting specifically is such a, a therapeutic endeavor. Um, you know, as, as a vet myself that was over there and I don't I don't I'm not busted up, but, you know, you bring some things back a little bit. Right. You don't realize it till years later. And then when you're out in the space and it's quiet and then, you know, everything we talk about with turkey hunting and watching the sun come up and the spring birds and all of it comes to life. It's, it's these moments of peace that that you need and it resets. Uh, and like you said, it's it's more than just killing the
4: bird. It is. And, it, and it's not, you know, my dad was a 20 year guy. I didn't join. I was ready to, ready to sign up. And then I met my wife and I was like, yeah. I can't leave. <laughs> anyway, I've been trying to pay that back. Yeah. And it's not like you know, we can't get in the club. If you're not a veteran, you don't get in the club. And I understand that. But, you know, sometimes after they spend two or three days with you, they'll start opening it up. And I ain't want to hear war stories. I'm just wanting to hear what's on your mind. Sure. Tell me about your kids and all that. And uh, I, if I had my way, I would do that every day of turkey season because to stand that to hang out with those people, it, it gives me less patience to hunt with other people. Sometimes if you hear somebody say, oh, it was raining yeah, yeah. or my stand was facing the wrong way, I was like, dude, I just spent five days with a guy had no way yeah exactly right he didn't playing one time yeah you know but and, and i'm probably skewed because i've been doing it so long but uh, i can't imagine not opening my turkey season with those people because most of them have never hunted certainly have never turkey it's hunting, fantastic and they love the whole you know tell me about the call and show me the calls you gonna use why would you do that and
5: they get you to do it
4: yeah and it's like it takes their mind off of whatever for a little while within mission accomplished they get one of the best in the in the business to, <laughs>
0: to help them out um making sure they're not going to start singing again it's uh when they're able to talk that stuff out and kind of they're not using you as a as a therapy session but it's just it just happens right it's just it's just natural over the course and that's what's great about about hunting in general but like we're in turkey camp and just you become brothers you become family it's really weird how it happens it's cliche to talk about but it's true we don't we don't not we don't talk about it because it doesn't happen we're not making this stuff up and for those guys and gals to be able to engage someone like yourself and just have your attention just give them an audience it's uh
4: it's, it's healing yeah it's fun for me because I I can promise you those the people that General West picks they don't they don't know who I am yeah they don't know who Keith Kelly is he's guiding he was one of the turkey thugs Bubba Bruce just but they don't know who any of these yeah. people are and could care less sometimes when they first get there it's like nah, I'm not even sure he wants to be here yeah but one though the the guides we have are so perfect for that you know because it's like well just sit down hey you ever, you ever been hunting uh you ever been turkey hunting let me show you here's what we, this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to trick him and, all, and it's no talk about military. There's no talk about politics and all that. And all of a sudden, like I say, you get their mind off things and uh, they just they just love that. So anyway, it's a big deal for me. I love going somewhere where it's like they don't know who cuz is. Yeah. They could care less. Sure. I personally love that yeah. environment yeah. Yeah. And because uh, yeah. I love waiting on people. Sure. Either you have that servant spirit or you don't. Yep. I got it from my mom. But, who, who better to, to turn that toward than military yeah, people awesome. or law enforcement? Yeah. So uh, do, do some law enforcement stuff, too, because as, as they don't have a lot of things going on helping them raise money. Mm-hmm. You know, military, there's lots. If you want to sure. get involved, go online. You can find. I tell people all the time, I had a guy tell me one time, well, y'all only doing 10 people. <laughs> well, you know, here's the deal. I did 10 people last year and 10 the year before that. But you, you know what? If I'm doing one, then that, at least I'm not doing nothing. Yeah, right. You know, how many did you take last year? That's how a hell many, of a thing to say. Yeah, <laughs> I, you hear that kind of stuff, but it's like, same way with law enforcement. They don't have a lot of uh, organizations helping them. We, we started one called Soul. Soul, yeah. Organized for law enforcement. Had a big fundraiser up there in Corinth, Mississippi. Raised fifteen fourteen thousand dollars <laughs> 14000 Sent it straight into Spirit of Blue. Boom. Yeah, they spent it immediately on uh, Body Armor. Yeah. And it's like, wow. Now yeah, more than ever. Needed. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like, we, you know, I started to make a post. I probably shouldn't say this. I started to make a post because I, I try to stay away. Yeah. You know. It's like, here's a thought. Let's sell all them free crack pipes and buy some houses for the victims. My, yeah, there's, a, it's, there's a fault.
5: <laughs> golly
0: days. It's, we're, we're in a really weird spot in, in human history right now, this alternate universe.
4: It is, but you know what? There's The people that come through this door are right here, they're going to be some common thinking people. That's there. exactly Even right. And they're not staying six feet away and all that. They're ready yeah. to move on with their life. That's another cool thing about hunting. Yeah, It's a, kind of a like-minded audience. So. Yep, for sure.
0: Uh, how's
4: the traffic? Been going I know you've uh, oh, wow. been after it yeah you know here's the deal there's two guys in this building that taught me how to trap before I ever met them. <laughs> one is Casey Shootman. he's down there with the management advantage he's got they, their management advantage uh, YouTube channels awesome and the other guy's Alan Probst yep. he had some great stuff <laughs> and um, I, I kind of played around with it many many years ago but now with YouTube I watch those two guys and I'm like I'm fixing to get after it yeah and uh I got better and better and better and then all of a sudden those grandkids are asking me about it and uh, now that's all they cranky cannot wait for deer season (laughs) to be over he's like pop when's it gonna be I said look let's just close deer season and me and you start trapping his older brother, and uh, they love the coon you know the dog DPs the coon proof the dog proof traps and Matt his older brother he's already gotten where he's big enough now he can kind of load a two two coil spring trap and this a big puzzle for them trying to figure out where to put it and when you pull up on something you got it in it it just they just it just lights them up
0: it's the best
4: yeah and, they, and they'll say stuff, and they pick up on We pulled first trap we pulled up on the other day. And Cranky said, there's one of them uh, turkey-egg-eating varmints. <laughs> you know, they're, they're on a mission yeah. about conservation. And some people don't understand that about trapping, but I've seen it firsthand. Okay. I'm going to do a seminar with Alan Probst tomorrow to introduce him. Yep. And the only thing I'm going to talk about, and I get asked this all the time, where's the best place you ever turkey hunted? Ever. And it's the same answer every time. It's that spot in Florida, DDOT Timber Company, twenty six thousand acres. Now, the only reason they, the only thing they've done different. It's relentless predator control from Mm. the nest raiders. Now, they got a big budget. It ain't something you and I could do, but they had, I don't know how many traps out. That's a full-time job. It is, but they got a full-time event. They got timber business. and The guy that owns it likes quail, so he's managing. And they had so many of those live traps out when something would hit that trap, boom the light would go off oh, no a big panel and they were relentless about that year round and still are. And guess what? It's the best Turkey hunting place I ever go to. I don't care about, it. you can talk about Texas or wherever it's the best place they go to. And that's the only thing they do. different. Interesting.
0: <laughs> oh, it's, uh, I'm a fan. I, you know, I work and kids kind of got in the way. So my, my, my lines have gotten considerably shorter but the, the DPs, I loved um, just easeability, the efficiency of putting them out, uh, the target animals. And then my kids, same thing like Cranky. My kids love them because they, they like putting the marshmallows in or it's just it's not something that's very cumbersome to do. And they can they can do them and and they like, you know, pulling up and seeing the raccoon in there and. Yeah, so much it's
4: fun. Trapping may be the most one of the most addictive things you can do, but I tell people all the time, it makes a big difference. It's made a big difference on my little phone. I've heard you say I mean, that. After after watching what it did they did down at D Dot, it's like, golly, that's the coolest thing ever. And sometimes kids get tired of sitting in a shooting house for you know, two or three hours. It's a different world. And that trapping thing's move, move, move. That's why cranky likes. It. And every day is like Christmas. Yeah.
0: Every day you go exactly. out there and something like it could be there. You know, so got a couple minutes left with you. I know you're busy. You got to get back to the booth. And with those couple minutes, I want to say thank you. Thank you to Mossy Oak. Thank you for all you guys do for NWTF and support and step up. Uh Toxie was was with us this morning at the rendezvous, had some great words to say. Uh he had he started to have the prompter and he said, I ain't doing the prompter. I'm speaking shooting from the hip and as always, it's it's very well done and, and well received by the audience. So thank you for all you guys do.
4: Hey, it's uh, much appreciated. And so i tell you, get, you know, from the get go with us at Mossilk, it's always been about the critters and the habitat. Because without that, you know, we do nothing. We don't sell any camouflage right. or sell any Mossilk property. So what we do pales in comparison to what y'all do. And I I need to make sure that Becky and everybody knows that, and just say thanks because that's that that's the battle the battles for the wild turkey and you know with environmental changes and all that that's what we need is we need the experts telling us what we need to do Exactly so, right. hey thank you for having us yes sir
0: uh, glad to have you uh, enjoy the convention enjoy the rest of the week and I'll, uh, I'll catch up with you on the floor all right. all right sir all right up next Nomad is in the booth Jason Hart Mike Tussie Mr.
6: Fred Bird, how's my old buddy doing here? Man, thank you for having us. Um, all I can say is when I'm looking around, I'm seeing all my turkey hunting friends, many who I've not seen in two years. And here with friends, here with coworkers, here with buddies uh, from all different aspects of life and all I can say is it's the most wonderful time <laughs> of the year. it's great to be back man yeah. to see all these faces
7: again and you know after a year off everybody's excited to be here you know nomad's excited to be here and it's it- it's going to be a good three days, man. It's
0: obviously long overdue, and that's the, the common theme throughout, right, is everyone is happy to be home and happy to be together, and COVID and all the other stuff be damned. We're we're moving on with life and humanity, and the world turns still.
6: Absolutely. i tell you what, the energy that was in Nashville, Tennessee last night at the NWTF Foundation Board Conservation Aid, in addition to the first ever NWTF Pub Crawl. Thank you. Well, it was our pleasure. Uh, You know, I heard about that event. Uh, You put a bug in my ear and I pass it on to um, our company. It's the first ever time that NWTF had an event like that, which, you know, truthfully, I've been coming to NWTF banquets since 1996 and NWTF's always awesome. But a lot of times, a lot of the events, you might have some people wear sport coats and things like that. Well, the pub crawl wasn't quite like that. It was uh, country music and good times. A lot of people hugging and like a big old turkey hunting reunion last night. And it sure was a good time. And our our friends, uh, Zach and Mary from Country Outdoors, hosted it and did a heck of a job.
7: Yeah, no, it was a fantastic time. They had some great artists there last night. We had a lot of friends there hanging out with us. And it was an
0: awesome event. And I think it's something that we'll probably do again next year. I, I certainly hope so. I think, uh, you know, a testament to the the excitement last night was after the food was gone, people stayed.
7: Oh, yeah. No, everybody hung out. I mean, it, everybody was still hanging out after the singers were finished. Everybody's still, you know, hugging and, hey, man, we missed you and all that. And it was just a fantastic event to see all the families.
6: It things. was. And, I, you know, hanging out at Gaylord Opryland and you got, you know, you got folks like my buddy Bobby Pinson got up there on stage out of the blue and sang and sung some of it. He wrote for Eric Church and uh you know dylan carmichael who's going to be he he's going to be in our booth and if you don't know his name and you like country music you better check it out but uh, you know ultimately everybody that got on stage at conservation aid and that event are are turkey hunters and conservationists and care and are doing it nwtf they're they're volunteers up there singing and songwriting where they normally get paid an awful lot of money to do that so it's really fun and it's just a big great event we had a blast, and uh, I tell you what, Fred. Thanks for having us this morning. Me and Tussy, your uh, what you
0: want to talk about? Anything and everything. Well, what's new? What's uh, what's your travel plans? I mean, you're you're done, right? You you hung up your boots. Yeah, boots up. You know, we got
7: a brand new turkey vest that Jason Hart here designed. You know, and called the Bull Lounger. Jason needs to tell a little bit about it. I mean, it's yeah, a-
6: man, so you know, we're here. Obviously, uh, the brand that Mike and I represent is Nomad. Uh, brand i co-founded but mike tussie is a, a co-worker of mine but in addition he's been a great buddy of mine since 2006 we met through turkey hunting and he's our hunt community leader but uh yeah we're here showing we've got a, a few new products in the turkey hunting world uh one which you mentioned our turkey vest bull lounger so we're making a big launch here be, with it and uh we're also we got a preview so a lot of our new um waterfowl product coming out in 2022 a lot of new stuff here so We've been, we're in the dead heat of our trade show season in the hunting business. So we have co-workers right now working the Sports Inc. show out in Phoenix, Arizona, selling our product. We have co-workers at the Southeastern Wildlife Expo in Charleston, South Carolina selling our product. Miami Boat Show for our, our hook brand. And anyhow, it's the dead heat of the season. So it's folks, a busy time of folks, year. Folks in the hunting business, we all have about from basically Thanksgiving until the end of February. That's where all the product gets sold. So my job as a salesman I've been out hustling, trying to get folks to buy more Nomad for next year, so we can keep on doing fun stuff and come to the NWTF convention. And with that being said, Mike's other job, um, he's not a complete 100% full-time employee. He's also a turkey hunting outfitter down in the great state of Florida and owns a company called Osceola Outdoors. Yeah, man, we we're
7: open up, you know, a couple of weeks, March 5th. It's crazy. So it's, it's happening quick. You know, I've been sitting here checking cameras all day, <laughs> and, you know, you know self cameras out and I'm checking them every day, still looking. I got guides out, you know, looking for turkeys and the birds are starting to gobble, starting to strut and all that. And so,
0: you, you manage I, your it, operation pretty strictly. Right. Like you just don't. Absolutely. He does. Yeah. It's it it is what it is. Talk about that, because that's a big theme right now. Right. With declining populations, you know, we're doing help to Yelp and trying to put money into research.
7: Um, That's what, you know, the cell cameras and any other cameras that I put out are important because I'll try to do a count. So starting in January, I'll start getting a count of all those birds that I have. So if I have a ranch and it's 5,000 acres, do a count. If I see 30 gobblers, I'm only going to try to take half. Yeah. I don't want to take more than half. We don't shoot jakes. I want more birds to be bred. And now, you know, there's a lot of talk going on that a lot of the breeding, you know, takes place almost during the, the first of the season. And those dominant birds are getting shot. So that's you know that shoot only fifty percent of the birds. I think we're leaving enough for seed and all that you know for the future of the turkeys.
0: Yeah, it's it's done right. You know um, you can't do anything on public land as far as that goes. You know most states with quotas, but if you own the dirt, uh, you you have that command and control. And I think it's interesting if. What's up, you? Hey, how are you? Good. It's a fun part. You about live broadcasting? Well, it is.
6: We're um, you know, we're seeing a lot of NWTF members around here, and a lot of familiar faces while we're talking, and uh, we just got distracted by a friend of ours.
0: <laughs> so. I think something like an operation like yours, I, I don't know if you've done it or if it plans to, but it's a—it's an interesting case study, right?
7: It is, you know, and uh, Jason and I are, you know, good friends with Brett Collier at LSU. And Brett's talked to us a lot about it. I've talked to Brett. Jason's talked a lot about it with Mike Chamberlain. And they're talking about trying to come down. And actually, I think we got a meeting. Was that today? We got that meeting
6: with these guys, Jason? We do. Uh, you know, Mike and myself, um, you know, uh, namely because of Mike, a lot of my Florida turkey hunting and a lot of the, the the Nomad brand, which we're a part of, has been because of our relationship and Mike's outfitting service down in Florida. Now, you know, I've been known, my favorite place to turkey hunt in the country, which I've been fortunate to hunt every single state, but my favorite place to turkey hunt, without a doubt, is south and central Florida. Uh, and it's because of Mike, and it's, a, you know, it's a, I just love it. I love it down there, even though, you know, up, being born in West Virginia and growing up in South Carolina, Florida is my favorite place to turkey hunt. And everybody that turns against Florida seems like they do really good. And we think that there's a lot of turkeys in south and central Florida, but we know that their their habitat is declining because of the the human population coming there. And everybody thinks that it's good, but you know what? Florida doesn't have a check-in system. There's not been any research done on the Osceola wild turkey in 40 years. And you know what? They may be doing good. And if they are, maybe if we made a little bit of money for research for the Osceola turkey, maybe it could tell us why some of our eastern populations are declining. So we don't know. So long story short, Mike and I have been asked to uh, head up with um, you know Dr. Mike Chamberlain from the University of Georgia and our good buddy, Dr. Brett Collier, to get a few people, some very concerned uh, landowners and avid hunters to um, you know maybe raise a little bit of awareness and say, hey, what's going on in Florida? We really don't know. We think it's okay, but it might not be. And if it is good, maybe we can use that research to benefit turkeys in a state like Georgia or Virginia or Maine or, you know, New Hampshire or anywhere else. So anyhow, him and I, as soon as we get done with this, we're switching hats from sewing turkey vests and camouflage into, uh, you know, scratching our head. And let's talk about biology and, you know, what 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 can we do to help and how can we raise money and awareness Research going on. So, Tim.
7: And the one thing also is that Florida Wildlife Commission has passed law now that they are going to have a check in system for turkeys. Yeah, I It's going gonna, gonna to start this fall on fall season. So, spring of 2023, we will have to call in and check in turkeys in Florida now. So, is that they never had it or did never
6: they... had it? No, no, it's, it's an honor system down in Florida. And, you know, I, it's great. Now, I'd imagine, you know, 99% of the sportsmen do, but you know it's, it's not so much about checking and you know uh, not so much about actual game laws you know that i doubt there's very few it's more about getting research and find out as the you know hunting numbers as uh, the population we don't know so that's what we're doing next so we got a lot of cool stuff going on here at nwtf commission
0: i'm interested in like you, you said you have large landowners down there like how did that how does that come up did they reach out to you guys did you know them because that's often like a challenge right you like you see people with these large tracts of land and if you don't know the owner, or if there's no vested interest, like how do you crack that? In,
7: in Florida right now, man, it, it is a race to try to find landowners with turkeys. And there's other outfitters coming from other states, you know, coming from Mississippi, coming from Kansas, coming from New York, coming to Florida to jump on that bandwagon to hunt Osceola's. It's the only place that, you know, you can kill an Osceola turkey. So a lot of outfitters coming in and they're gobbling up a lot of the the land and prices for Osceola hunts are skyrocketing.
0: They're more than friggin' oscillated at this point. And they are just
7: absolutely going through the roof. And the reason being is, is landowners now know that they can charge a premium fee for that turkey. And most land, or most outfitters are just purchasing the turkeys they're not leasing the land for a year's time so myself and other outfitters go into a landowner and we'll do like a survey like i'm saying you know go in and we think that there's 20 turkeys on this 3,000 acres we'll look at the landowner and say hey man we're going to try to
0: harvest 10 turkeys that's um i didn't know that that was a thing that you could just i'm just going to pay you for this does that not reek of like Almost uh, like market hunting. I don't know. I feel weird about it. I feel you know, dirty. Well, uh, you know, uh, well,
6: you know, that, that's how, uh, You know, for example, a state like Texas, down in Texas, you know, a lot of the ranches, you know, Texas is um, is the majority private land. You know, it's really hard to, not a whole lot of public land turkey on, on down there. And the, the ranches, that's what they do. They're like, hey, we'll sell you 10 birds or 20 birds. And most of the ranch owners, you know, they understand the resource. And it is a n- renewable resource, but most of them don't take that. So that's how it works in Texas. Texas and Florida. Are the only places that I know of, you know, where I'm from in South Carolina to hunt, you know, private land, you either have to get invited or you lease the whole thing. But yeah, Texas and Florida are a little different like that.
0: But I've never hunted either, so I'm completely ignorant to it. And even working for the NWTF, you can't know everything, right? So,
6: Well, that sounds
0: like Fred's asking for an invite, Tussie. I <laughs> Listen, uh, I would never impose. I do whatever, want to come do. down and, and do a live podcast uh, well, down there. but Plus
6: He's still trying to get some of those New England states. I, I know a man sitting across from me that could make that I happen. I thought you Maybe were done. Happened. Jason's inspired me to do the
7: 49. Uh, me and him talked about it when he started this thing, what, 2012, 2013? You started yeah, talking buddy, about it? Yeah, died, after so Buddy yeah. Guthrie died. Yeah, so we started talking about it then. And I've watched him do it over the last, you know, nine years. And he finished it up, you know, this last season. I'm about halfway there you know and that's just not even was trying I was just visiting other states and going and last year you know I thought okay let me try it it's tough I didn't realize how hard it was to do it and the one thing that I missed by doing it is the camaraderie so if I'm going to Nevada i'm not going with jason i'm not going with buddies you're going there to hunt by yourself to accomplish a goal and it's completely different than just going and having a fun hunt so i'm for myself trying to get used to that aspect of it right now because i really enjoy the camaraderie of
6: turkey
5: hunting yeah
6: and for folks you know obviously i was i I think there was about three or four people that i know of that we've communicated that finished the u.s slam last year Uh, you know harvesting a turkey in all 49 states and you know, since I have accomplished it, I, I look back on one of the reasons we turkey hunt is all about the hunting camp and the friendships and the relationships. And I lost out a lot doing that. You know, it's, uh, it's one of those things that turkey hunting is so much more than just the hunt, or so much more than the kill and a trophy. And for me, the fact that I accomplished that's great. And Everybody's like, what are you doing next? I'm like, man, I'm going to hang out with buddies now and friends and That's family. What I say.
7: Hunting with you. I haven't got to hunt yeah. with you since, well, we hunt Florida. But it's been two years ago since we hunted Hawaii together. Yeah. You know. And with that
6: being said, boy, Hawaii, that gum, what a great place to hunt. Oh, I love it out there. Fantastic down there.
0: there. Very much like to go. I keep trying to convince the wife to take a vacation during the early part of April. Yeah. Well,
6: it's actually the month of March is Hawaii uh, is Hawaii's open. Yeah, March 1st. should see first season that in Florida coincide. Florida is always the uh, first Saturday in March, and then Hawaii is always March 1st. So when Mike retired from his school teaching job, uh, I said as part of uh, his retirement gift, we planned it. And he told me three years before we planned the hunt, he's like, I'm never going to be able to hunt in Hawaii because it overlaps with my outfitting business and my Florida turkey season. And I happened to look at the dates, and I figured this out in about 2016 that, during the year of 2020, let's say, yeah, 2020, that uh, Hawaii opened on March one, on March 1st, which was a Monday, and Florida didn't open until last Saturday. So, we got to hunt Hawaii, and we had three days to hunt, and anyhow, Mike got to fly back home and was hanging out and guiding his customers and friends uh, open a day. So, he, we, he got to hunt open a day, uh, but, well, I think I did, too. Uh, yeah, well, I was there, yeah. So, we got to hunt. Yeah. We got to hunt Hawaii and then Florida that year. And then, uh, anyhow, it was just an overall really good time, but COVID has really shut down a lot of the land out in Hawaii and we happen to be a couple of the last ones. Yeah. Hawaii's getting the last one to really open back up for COVID, but, uh, it's an incredible place. And, uh, I certainly hope one day I get to go back to the Big Island.
0: You, you and I, last time we were on, holy hell. That's what we hunt for. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, and I want to get to this, because last time Hart was on, we started getting into, you know, he had just wrapped up 49. And, you know, and not without trying to overthink life, I, but I had this thought, like... As turkey hunters, as conservationists, are are we doing a disservice? Are we kind of bastardizing the resource by this this fanatical love for this 49 pursuit? Where it was a few select people that could do it, now it's seemingly like everyone's after it, and it's almost... I'll be, I'll be honest with you, Fred. Dr. Mike Chamberlain from the University of Georgia, on a hunting
6: trip in February, asked me that question. That has made me think. Yeah. Is it a good thing? Maybe,
0: well, and maybe I think not. of him. Yeah, specifically yeah. in Florida. Like you just said, you got all this out of state influence, not even a Florida residents yeah. being able to control their business. What, what does that do to that one subspecies? Uh, no, absolutely, man. Yeah. Putting pressure on it. There's no
7: doubt. It puts pressure on. it. And like I said, we've got a lot of outfitters coming in from other States, putting yeah. pressure on it too. Um, that's why I'm really glad that, you know, that FWC is going to start a harvest program yeah. and see what's going to happen to it. The hundred numbers,
6: you know, and the percentages of kills and all that. <laughs> And, you know, all, you know, all the happening everywhere, not just Florida, not just these states. I mean, man, let's look at New England. I mean, when you and I, when you invited me to hunt I, back in 2016 and I killed my Maine turkey, I was the only person from down south I knew hunted Maine. And now I bet I got 15 buddies from South Carolina hunting Maine every late May and June. And it's getting everywhere. And, you know, you see when you're in a state like, I was in a state like Connecticut hunting Bubba clan. And there were three Alabama license plates at the walk-in area and, you know, things like that. So maybe it's not its not a good thing. And I'm the first one to be guilty, but I also can speak to it, that it has changed. And, you know, social media and the Internet has made people a lot more knowledgeable. And it's really easy to get on an airplane and go. It's not easy. I mean, it's tough to do it, but it's um—it's not as hard as it once was. So, yeah, even though you know, I'm going to register my U.S. slam with the National Wild Turkey Federation, get a little dollars back. Um, and I'm, I'm obviously it was a life goal I set, but back when I started I certainly didn't understand that aspect and didn't realize that it would become a thing. And you know what, maybe it's not a good thing. And I'm, I hate to, you know, not promote it, but you know, it makes you think. And now, you know, what ultimately it makes me think, what, what can I do for conservation and giving back to the birds? And like I said, you know, especially the Eastern wild Turkey is up, a lot of States are struggling. Um, so, you know. Good, a lot of a lot of reflection going on. With I think it's that worth having
0: the conversation about, it. and then it's also one of these kind of put up or shut up moments. If it comes to that, like you always hear, turkey hunters will be the first one to say, like, "Hey, I'll be the first one to." If my state's in trouble, my population's in trouble, I'll put it off a year or two, whatever yeah. it takes. You might be there in yeah. some yeah, areas right now, toilet. and you might start looking in the mirror, and like, "Okay, Art, are you true to what you said?" Well, you
7: look at it already. There's states already cutting down harvests. You know, you can't South go exactly yeah, yeah. South, South Carolina. Carolina. Uh, oh. old,
6: uh, my old attorney brother, our buddy, Jake Cantrell, and his, uh, his co-worker, Charles Ruth, were really the first ones, you know, South Carolina, 10 years ago, we opened up March 15th and went to May 1st and had five birds. You can kill two in one day. And then it switched to three. Now it's down to one the first day. And, and truthfully, I hate to say it, but of all the states I've hunted in, I think my home state's one of the worst. And you know what I, and you know, this is at a very small scale, you know, in my hunting club that. My my nephew Brian Moreland's the president of. He and I had a discussion. I said, "Man, we got some really good turkey hunting dirt. All, we've also got ten turkey hunters. Do we should we everybody kill two if we can? Probably not. Maybe we should limit it. And you know what? I'm, I'm gonna do a self imposed on myself. The private land I hunt, I'm only to kill one bird on in one county in South Carolina. You know, I we have three tags, and if I happen to kill three, great. But I, I want to do that spread out across a couple counties and
0: hundred miles like Maine a couple of years ago um, they did this emergency rule change in the fall uh, and they they allowed five birds in the fall. And initially, you can kill all five at once. Now, yeah. you're going to have yeah. people run out there with <laughs> friggin' punt guns taking out a whole flight, which is crazy, right? But on, so here's the interesting wrinkle in that, right? So I talked to Doug Little, who's the uh, district biologist for that part of the country. There's three of them, right? Doug's super smart cat. I uh, just actually had him on the podcast. So I asked him that very thing because, like, there's some stories out of Cape Cod, Massachusetts, and all these bigger cities like Manhattan. Uh, yeah. Could, yeah. They got a bunch of damn turkeys. I said, so why don't we just, and the easiest thing to come to is let's just put them in boxes and put them where we need them yeah so and that makes sense in my brain and he says well, you can't do that and i said well why because i never thought it through he's like these birds are habituated whatever they do in that locale they're gonna find that same source and they're gonna be a problem somewhere else i'd never considered it and i was like that's that makes all it. it's like a bear if a bears a dumpster diving bear and you relocate that bear he's gonna find more dumpsters I just thought it was an interesting point. I'm like, well, there, there's your damn answer because everyone's so quick, especially on social. Oh, just bring them here, bring them there. Well, it's not that
2: easy.
6: No, no. and you know what? It's it, it's interesting. And uh, there, you read a lot of the popular news articles about the wild turkey and you see a lot of stuff coming from like Long Island and a lot of the cities where turkeys are living in the city and a lot of those New England states. But you've got a state like Connecticut and, you know, they're very liberal seasons where you can kill a lot of turkeys and i i find it very funny and I, you know i don't know the gentleman that's a state turkey biologist and don't know how their state operation works but when i was trying to get connecticut i emailed him the year of COVID when i was hunting i'm like hey can you suggest any areas that da. done da, da, da. he said hey public land is going to be overrun maybe shouldn't it's like man well why you can kill like five plus birds in connecticut you know and other states like wisconsin which wisconsin's got a lot of turkey but yeah you know what we had five birds for years in south carolina And guess what? The hunting's not great there. So yeah, I think it's going to take a combination of state agencies, a combination of the popular hunting media, which you're a big part of that, Fred Bird, and people doing their own personal limits to make a change. If we want to see the turkey, which I'd love to see it, come back to very high populations, sustainable populations, obviously anything can get overrun, but a a turkey population is very different from a deer population. You know, you can harvest lots and lots of those turkey not so much. So, um, so yeah, it's a, it's a fragile resource, and and although we are all here because we love to turkey hunt, and that's the entire, you know, basis behind this, we also realize that, uh, you know, hunters and conservationists are, without a doubt, I mean, hunters are the number one conservationists. And, the, you know, the fact that hunters self impose back 90 years ago 80 plus years ago the Pittman robertson act no i think that there's um i think it's it's up to our generation to enforce that change so the wild turkey does not become the bob white quail of what we have today
0: yeah have you're today. exactly right so, you're exactly right um and then you know what you were starting when you were saying there you know there's it's more than just being a hunter as a conservationist. We, again, we we talked about this at the rendezvous this morning. You need to be an active participant in it. Buying a hunting license just is not going to get it done, right? Being a part of a member, an active member, of the National turkey Federation, or pick your nonprofit, at least have some skin in the game. And I think that's one of the bigger messages that as a community, we got to get across and, and, you know, guys like yourselves that people look up to and you have the, you have the, 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 the resume to, to speak on it with a authoritative voice absolutely. is sign up for a membership, man. Oh, absolutely.
6: And, and you know what? There's a lot of nonprofits out there and any organization has its flaws. And, and, but with that being said, if you're out there and you're a, if you're a turkey hunter and you like turkey hunting, and you're not a member of the National Wild Turkey Federation, shame on you. I encourage you to do so. Unfortunately, that's only about 10% of our turkey hunting population. Man, become an NWTF member. You know what? You may not like some ideas. You may not like this, that, the other. But with that being said, I can assure you, everybody here that's volunteering for the NWTF, whether they're at a local chapter level, whether they're at a national level, whether they're on the foundation board, the national board, we're all volunteers. Even if you're a country music singer, if you're volunteering, the reason we're all here is we're all like-minded. And you know what? We might not always see eye to eye on different aspects, but... If you like to turkey hunt and you're not a member of the National Wild Turkey Federation, shame on you. Exactly. I mean, there's no reason you can't. What is the membership? Thirty-five
7: dollars. Thirty-five dollars now. You know, thirty-five dollars is nothing. You know,
6: when people spend on hunting gear today, you know,
7: box of shotguns. Yeah. A hat. I
6: mean, and we and we, and, and we need more. We need more membership. And yes, we're we're, we're reaching out as an organization to try to um, to recruit, uh, you know, multiple hunters and different aspects. But hey. If, If you're a turkey hunter, you belong here and you're welcome. And we want to have you be a part of it and fly the flag.
0: I uh, the, you guys well know, you know, trying to work through different obstacles through agencies with Privacy Act and stuff. It's that's one of the bigger conundrums is, is finding out who our turkey hunters are. We know statistics. We know the numbers per state, but we don't know who these people are. So it's it's going to take like you said, it's a generational thing. And these active voices like you guys that really, you know, just just saying it out loud and making some people scratch their head. Yeah, man, absolutely. Well, Fred, thank you for doing this podcast, man. I'm so excited about your new role
6: in NWTF, and you and I, first and foremost, are friends, and I tell you what, I think you're really going to be excelling in this, and uh, I was on a podcast with you, uh, it was in the fall, what, it was in, uh, y'all came in November to,
3: yeah, yeah yes, October, uh, november is Fred, yeah.
6: Fred came down to my hometown, Charleston, South Carolina, to do some fishing, and we had a podcast, and I got some really positive comments, and there's people listening to it, and I, I even had a, a couple people here say, man, I listen to, fred bird's podcast and i sure liked it and you know i can tell you as a friend for those of y'all out there in in radio land if that's a thing now or podcast land that uh that my buddy fred bird hosting this is an absolute genuine human being a heck of a turkey
0: hunter and his heart's in the right place I appreciate the kind words. Continue success. There's a ton of good stuff over for the Nomad booth. People, we may get some of these cuts out, but uh, you know, if you're hearing this after convention's over, uh, as long as the supplies there get online and, and buy because uh, the new gear for this year is it's kick-ass. Yeah, yeah I'll be honest with you. We're uh,
6: all the new product we're having, including our turkey vest. Man, it's really really cool stuff. We got a lot of retailers nationwide that's carrying it, and it's all literally shipping this week. So there's a few items that aren't in stock yet, but by the time it's March 1st, everything should be up on our website. It's nomadoutdoor.com. But I encourage you, if you want one of our turkey vests or you want a certain product in a certain camouflage pattern, to buy it sooner than later because we are going to sell out. Um, you know, We're we're in the business of making product, but with the supply chain issues, you can't turn around product very quickly. So we made enough what we thought was going to be enough to, to meet the demand, but I don't think it's going to be enough. So I encourage you, yeah, if you're a turkey hunter in New England, Go ahead and buy your stuff now in February. And this this is not just Nomad. This goes across every single product in the hunting industry, whether it's a, a decoy, a call, a pair of boots, whatever. If there's something out there and you want it, you can afford it. Get it before turkey season because with the global supply chain stuff, it's, it's a little challenging. But
0: uh, One more time. Thanks again. Thank you for the support of Nomad and the organization, Carolina in total, uh, also for being a sponsor of this here podcast. Hey, man. Well,
6: well, i tell you what, i tell you what, Fred Berg, you were a big influence on that. When uh, when the folks internally that are the check writers were scratching their head, I said, look here, if our boy Fred's doing it, we need to be a part of it because thank you for being a brand ambassador of the Hook and Nomad brand since we started the company. And that's true friendship. I know that, uh, yeah, we make cool
0: stuff, but it goes deeper than that. Yes, sir. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Enjoy you. the rest of the convention.
3: Under the visionary leadership of founder Johnny Morris, Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's is leading North America's largest conservation movement. Their partnership with the National Wild Turkey Federation is a match made in heaven for hunters across America. The Save the Habitat, Save the Hunt initiative continues to be a resounding success, with more than $6 million provided for conserving wildlife habitat, recruiting more hunters, and opening more access to hundreds of thousands of acres across the nation. To learn more, go to BassPro.com conservation.
2: Turkey hunters find everything you need to succeed at sportsmansguide.com. From decoys and calls to apparel, boots, and blinds. Plus, Sportsman's Guide has much more than just hunting gear. From fishing, camping, and adventure to family barbecues and backyard bonfires. For everything you love about the great outdoors, you'll find it all at Sportsman's Guide. Shop Guide.com today.
1: Hey y'all, I'm Jason Hart, founder of Nomad Hunting Clothing. Nomad is proud to be a supporting sponsor of the National Wild Turkey Federation and their podcast hosted by my longtime buddy, Fred Berg. At Nomad, we're bringing simplicity and authenticity back to hunting. Whether you hunt to escape your hectic work life, for locally sourced organic meat, or to socialize with friends, to uphold your favorite family traditions, we're with you and we do the same. At Nomad, we understand your gears and investments, so our products are engineered and priced for every hunter, tested in the real world, and designed to last. Hunting is in all of us. Nomad is with you. You ever watch The Office? Love The Office. All
0: right, so I want to kill a turkey because I've been going to Pennsylvania for, I've been over there six times, I've been yet to do it. And I want to now at this point, because I live in New Hampshire, I'd rather just go down to the Northeast, kill one in Scranton, and then go hang one on Thunder Mifflin. <laughs>
5: Mifflin. I know it doesn't exist, but yeah. you know, it's just yeah, to have the Scranton sign I there. Don't, I don't get to Scranton that much, but I bet you there's some sort of a monument up there That's with a Scranton right? sign. I'll do, you know what? Shoot me an email and,
3: and I'll do <coughs> some research for you. Yeah, that'd be
5: great. It's Dude, like, see uh, if I can find. See if I can find a uh, a Dunder Mifflin site. There's got to be something up there by the Scranton Mall. Yeah, for somewhere sure. Around there,
0: talking with Alan Prost of North American Trapper here on the program. He stepped up into the Tricky Call All Access booth. We're we're talking about Dunder Mifflin and all oh, you heard. If you're an office fan, you get it. If not, it's going over your head and. That's okay. That's the show. Yeah. I appreciate you making the time. I know uh, you got some seminars going on. Is it, Did it already happen or is it later?
5: No, no. The seminars are tomorrow morning. Oh, November, yeah, yeah, that's right. Friday, 11 a.m. And then Saturday, we do uh, another one at 10 a.m.
0: as well. You're doing that with Coz Strickland. He was just in here a little while ago. Yeah, Coz so. is
5: uh, going to kind of introduce me and also introduce. Uh, I went down there and uh, kind of showed him. And Now, he had trapped some, but sure. I went down and uh, spent about. 10 days there with him and his grandson. Yep. Showed them exactly, you know, what I do and, and how they can be successful in catching those nest raiders on their property.
0: Um you
5: know, obviously
0: it's a it's a I'm not gonna say it's dying, but the 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 involvement state by state is so down and it has been for years. When I When I first got my trapping license in 2006, Mm -hmm. um, I think at the time in New Hampshire, there were 400 licensed trappers. And of those 400, I think there was a considerable percentage that didn't actively participate. They just bought their license to be a part of that 400. Um, you know, they, obviously, there. You know, here we can talk about the benefits uh, as a, as you know as a part of the equation for for turkey populations and and other ground nesting birds, you know, quail and and grouse. But I think trapping in and of itself is something people should try. If you're a conservationist, if you hunt, if you fish, you should try it at least once. Uh, it's not this big, scary, uh, you know, torturous thing that that some of the social media or these other insane people would have you believe the technology. I mean, just educate yourself on the technology alone or what foothold traps uh, used to be 20 years ago and where they're at now.
5: I mean, talk about that. No, nah. close. Uh, you know, you hit the nail on the head—the conservation aspect of it. Uh, with human expansion, and, and you being in New Hampshire, you're probably seeing a, a lot. You know, coming off of those, uh, predominantly. I don't know if you have like a tremendous. Uh, areas where you have a lot of people in New Hampshire. We, we do the southeastern area and then the, what's uh, called the Merrimack Valley. Okay, So we call you it northern Massachusetts. <laughs> well, but, but that's what's happening. You have a lot of the, the expansion of the suburbs and people moving out and you're pushing these predators and prey species into smaller and smaller areas. And it's kind of our job on a conservation side to, to help not necessarily we don't want to go in and take all the coyotes we don't want to kill all the raccoons and things but we want to ease some of that pressure off of these ground nesting birds and this is you know the nwtf the 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 money that has been spent over the years for habitat improvement and all those different things for the wild turkey there's pretty much across the board now you're having states like missouri extending hunt or extending trapping season you have uh the governor of south dakota um her kind of project was instituting a program where they went out and took raccoons out to help ease the pressure off of the pheasants so the education's getting there but the other thing you touched on the number of trappers is not you have a very abysmal fur market yeah. um you know the prices are really low but i look at it in a completely different context i've never trapped for money yeah. i've never consistently thought well i'm not trapping because they're not worth anything it extends my hunting season it gives me the opportunity to go out there and go one-on-one with nature you're getting a coyote to step in a two-inch circle of all the places on the place on the the, earth he can go 360 degrees and you're you're doing something to attract him into that area and he's putting his foot There's a lot of woodsmanship that goes into that. And I love that one-on-one with nature. And what you're doing in that process is helping. Yes. If you want to go to where it's a cruel kindness for that animal that you're harvesting, I can go there. Yeah, we're killing that animal. We're harvesting that animal. But that actually makes it better for all of that other species in that area. All the other coyotes are going to have less uh, pressure to get food. They're going to have more food base. that's going to take pressure off of the prey species because you got one less so when you go into an area understand that trapping is a conservation aspect of nature and, and us with what we've done with human expansion and everything it's kind of on our shoulders now to actually help that overall ecosystem
0: The research value that trappers provide the state agencies is invaluable because trappers, we go out there, we do it for free. No one's hiring contractors to go out there and trap Fisher so we can get their lower jaws and talk about distemper. Uh, we, We do that because we, no because we understand either. no charge. It's free labor and it,
5: it is labor intensive. Well, that's what, you know, you were talking about being up in the Northeast quadrant. That's what Massachusetts did. They outlawed yeah, they some did. things there back in the early mid 2000s. And there was never a beaver problem. They didn't have, you know, telephone poles and things getting eroded because of water. And they didn't have trees falling over power lines, usually because you had trappers that were consistently, taking care of that excess population of beavers. Well, they outlaw trapping. Next thing you know, it's a $65, $70 million uh, taxpayer problem within three years. And there's only so many guys doing it. There's only so many guys doing it. So they're getting paid and that's, that's where it comes into. Now it's a taxpayer problem. And you're seeing that like, you know, they outlawed trapping in, in, you know, California and in New Mexico. And in Colorado. And now you're starting to see those pet animal conflicts, the coyotes coming up and, and taking the dog away from the actual dog owner when they're walking. Um, that woman in Canada, uh, got, attacked and mauled by coyotes. Uh, a boy in Chicago, six-year-old boy was attacked by a coyote. You're starting to see these animal conflicts with pets and humans where trapping can take care of a lot of that to where that's not an issue, but you're also keeping them in balance to where Mother Nature, you mentioned, distemper earlier. Mage, rabies, parvovirus, distemper, all of those diseases that Mother Nature brings in when you have have those overpopulations, and then it completely wipes them exactly. out to where it takes them years sometimes decades to re uh, recuperate their numbers it's just it's something where we have to get that education out there The myths, the half-truths of PETA, the Humane Society, tugging on people's heartstrings. And and I would be, I know me personally, but pretty much every trapper I know, we probably care more for the wildlife than the antis, because we're the ones that are putting the effort in. We're spending our hard-earned dollar for animal and habitat improvement and all those things. And those organizations are only about taking money and putting it back into advertising to take more money and line the pockets of the people running the organizations.
0: That's exactly right. Uh, you know, you talked, you touched on the disease factor, you know, so there, there's that. Um, and then, you know, you get back to the woodsmanship and I've talked about this on this program is, you know, you challenge an individual to go out, go out one year, one season and just and, and focus on it, do it. You will learn more about your turkey and your deer just by running water sets, never mind your upland sets. I learn more crossings of turkey and deer in my area by running beaver sets and otter sets.
5: I, I love that you just I love that you just said that because that's one of the things that I talk about in my seminars. I will take a trapper. And I will match him up with any hunter when it comes to woodsmanship. Yeah. You learn so much about animal habits and animal, the, just how they go through and you learn it about everything just from that time in the field. I've tell people all the time, if you can find a mink track in a fresh snow, or you can find a coyote track, or you can find a raccoon track. And we have that in the Northeast, which is nice. We have that blanket of information. If you get on that animal and you track it for two, three hundred yards, whatever, you will learn more about animal habits and what they do than you could ever learn from a seminar, a book, a DVD, being out in the field is and you're gonna learn from your mistakes as a rapper too and what that does is it makes you a better hunter it makes you a better fisherman and it has nothing to do with fishing but you start to look at a stream and understand that's where that fish you just learn so much you start picking up the whys i'm glad you i'm glad you brought that up because that is just one point that you really as a trapper uh can drive home yeah and, and and for for
0: hunters you know that are constantly looking for that value system like there's instant value And it's and it's yours for the taking. If you want to go spend the time, get a half a dozen coon cuffs, just go run them on a creek and see what you what you find out. You mentioned that
5: earlier about the trap or the, the actual trapping devices and things like that. 20 years ago to now, it's 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 just a totally different ball game you know we can play semantics but i think i think it's important
0: to get the language right that these are restraints and the whole point is like a handcuff a police officer if he arrests you is not going to put cuffs on you to break your skin and your bones it's a restraint to hold you in place so he can control you the modern trapping devices are all meant to restrain and if you hit a non-target let, let it go, go. And they run off no worse for wear. You inconvenience them and
5: yourself, quite frankly, especially when it comes to bobcats. I bobcats, I, I had to let four go in uh, Illinois this year, I had to let one go in Pennsylvania. I was catching bobcats. So you got to let them go because yeah. I didn't have tags and they weren't season in certain places. Um, I won't kill a gray fox. Gray fox to me is the really the coolest animal yeah. on earth. I love them. They're aggressive. They're mean. They're nasty. They climb they, trees. They, they're just a really cool animal. And I refuse to harvest them for six, eight, ten bucks. Now I don't sell fur on the market. I basically have everything tanned now, and I use it as gifts and giveaways because it's something personal and and it's uh, a nice piece for home decor or camps or whatever. But when I catch a gray fox, I catch them in the same traps that i'm using for everything else and i let them go and they run away because their foot's not hurt and yeah. that's another thing you mentioned fishers and things like that what do what do uh, the ga- the game agencies whether it's the state game commission or the colorado or wherever when they relocate animals well, what are they catching them in they're catching them in the traps that we're using which are Restraining devices and they're relocating those animals to certain parts of the country to reinstate them and they're catching them in the same traps that we use. So if they're good enough to reinstate animals in a certain area, they're not harming you wanna, the white people. You want to go
0: but. there with Fisher, if not for trapping Fisher in New Hampshire specifically, and relocating in the Allegheny National Forest, the northeast. New England proper would not have turkeys because it was a trade for trade.
5: Yep. And, and Pennsylvania is r- r- loaded with fishers now and they only stocked them in like the early to mid 90s and there's guys catching fishers constantly now. They only get one tag so you have guys that are catching their fisher and then and, and they harvest their fisher and then they're letting other fishers go because yeah. they're, yeah. they're doing a good job of catching
0: them. It's my favorite critter. You said and you like a great I love, I respect the hell out of fishers
5: i call them a weasel and steroids
0: they are they're on i i'm lucky you know where i live i see them amble through my back 40 and i'll just watch them cruising and i'm like
5: there he goes that's so awesome if you have a big male that's doing that they they have that unique way they're moving and hopping and jumping logs and stuff and and dude you get one of them males they look like a 40 pound animal they're about 20 18 to 20 pounds but their fur and it's just a really cool and they're every bit of
0: uh you know they're like the little mini wolverines you know just full of piss and vinegar and yeah they're pretty efficient at what they do i knew this was gonna go fast i mean we're we got a few minutes left we could sit
5: here we could literally spend an hour or two hours on this and not even feel like we were i think it's so
0: important and it's underrated this conversation and it can we we can go in so many different directions uh, you well know because you talk about it. you have the tv show but i i i think we're doing our community a disservice by not consistently visiting this specifically Whether, whatever your motivations are but just getting more people involved and having a presence it's it's like we talk about it with our membership right we ask for memberships for people to be involved because their voice they count as a number and it gives our organization power same thing with trapping. If we do not have a healthy population of people buying licenses and at least giving it a go, it, it's it will be lost because that social credit, I mean, it's waning
5: now and, and it's a hard battle. And it, it, you know the the one thing with that you're absolutely right on the numbers and and when you go because everything done now is done inside that beltway in dc it's it comes down to numbers it comes down to votes it comes down to all the legislation that's being done i don't really think most of these politicians even care either way i think it comes down to uh somebody crunching numbers in a room that well they've got 4 million to follow them and bought licenses. These this group only has 150,000. Well, we're not we we don't want to make the 4 million mad versus 100. We we we'll, we'll just lose those votes. It is yeah. it is
0: low-hanging fruit of the worst kind and you know the Disney effect, all this, you know, all these uh, superficial love uh, hugs for fur-bearing critters like that's that's what you're fighting. And, and they don't this, know what nature's like. No, man. And you know, you, you talk about, we, we, we touched on it earlier about these devices being cruel torture, they're not. What's more cruel of restraining an animal, dispatching him in a humane way in the back of the head, or watching a red fox over the course of three weeks, die a slow, terrible death from mange. It's not even close. It's horrible. Yep.
5: We catch some animals sometimes and they have mange bad. And I think to myself, how have they survived in this five, ten degree weather without any fur? And I think to myself, they're out here running. I'm like, this is why we're doing it now. It's not only the reason, but this is one of the reasons why we, we you're not going to have needs or those diseases if you are helping control those populations. And when you push so many critters into a small areas, which we are doing as a whole, as a society, we're running out of real estate. God's not making any more land. There, there's no more land. And, and if we can help out, and there's so many, you said low hanging fruit, I could talk 10 minutes on that. <laughs> yeah. We could, this is a conversation we want to probably touch on. Yeah. We'll do it again long form. Point, yeah.
0: Uh, a buddy of mine who, who's uh, one of the most proficient trappers in, in New Hampshire, I had him on when, when we did this podcast. When we started up in 2017. I had him on and I termed trappers and I didn't like TM it. Maybe I'm not the first one, but I'm the first one in my universe to ever hear it trappers are the keystone conservationists and we talk about keystone and what that means it's appropriate for you being from pennsylvania without that keystone the whole thing fall apart you need people trapping you need that research ability you need to be able to have resources dedicated to habitat improvement and other projects and not hiring contract trappers
5: well, that's the thing. You just hit the nail on the head there too. If you don't have the public out there doing it uh, for the tradition and, and and having you know states have their trappings or whatever, you're always going to have trappers because there's always going to be problems, and then it becomes a taxpayer problem, like it did in Massachusetts. It's happened in Colorado. Wherever you outlaw it, it quickly becomes a multi-million-dollar issue for the taxpayer. Now, why would you not have, you know, responsible people who know how to do it efficiently out there doing it for nothing and actually I, paying you to do
0: it with a license? Exactly fee. right. You know, what's funny about Massachusetts. I don't know if there's truth to this, so I'll just tell this as a anecdotal rumor mill story. But uh, apparently the the leading senator who wrote that bill way back when to, to outlaw it, had a big piece of property in the North shore. Beavers moved in and backed up all the water. And he went from having 11 acres to like half his acreage. And he was pissed about it. Like you, you literally did that. And you did it on your own. So yep. if, if that is true, and I, I suspect it is, uh, Kind of got what you deserve. So. <laughs> and that's usually what happens. It. That's yeah. usually
5: what happens. Um, you know, I don't know if this is completely true, but I've heard this or saw this more than once. Well, there was a, a news story probably six eight years ago. They had video of a coyote running down Manhattan on the oh, yeah. on the street. The, they say there's like a population of a hundred coyotes in Central Park. Yeah, I was just gonna say there's a denning population a denning in population Central Park. in Central hundred acres of woods. So if you got coyotes in Central Park, you're gonna have them literally yeah. everywhere. Yeah, the there's country. nothing to check them there. There's nothing to check them. So it's it's. It, I think the more we educate, I think we can start to change people's attitudes. But it does have to come. I want to make one thing clear on that it does have to come within the hunting communities as well we need the the, like the trappers and the trappers organizations need the help of the turkey hunters need the help of the deer hunters need the help of the waterfowl hunters we we will my whole premise of these you know i'm you know walking around here we're all kind of preaching to our own choir That's exactly right but I'm trying to educate the choir even, as opposed to even touching the mainstream yet. We need to educate the choir as to the value of this because we are the low-hanging fruit. Once this is gone, yeah, it may take 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, but... You want your grandchildren and great-grandchildren to have these traditions, but they will go after everything.
0: And it once, once they get one, they're, they're relentless.
5: And, it's, and it's, we
0: saw that this early legislative season uh, all across states and even nationally with all of these uh, anti-hunting uh, of fur bearers, anti trapping bills. And it was like, normally, I mean, they always pop up annually, but like there was a lot this year, it was crazy. So, Alan Probst, North American Trapper, thanks so much for stopping by the the podcast booth here at the National Convention. Have a a great rest of your convention. Enjoy your seminars, and we will definitely do this long form. I promise you that. Well, I definitely
5: appreciate you having me here. Yes, sir.
0: Thank you. Cool, man. All right. We're back at it. Oh, man. Foolishly, I... Did not schedule a lunch break for myself. I thought I did, uh, so we're just going to keep yapping until 6 o'clock. That's what we're doing. Connor, Mobley, Nathaniel Maddox, Slate Glass, The Road. We're going to do a twofer here and give you, give you all a half an hour set here in the podcast fishbowl. Uh, that's what I'm literally sitting in. For those of you that will hear this, you're not here. Uh, I'll take a picture and post it. You guys will see it. It's actually pretty dope. Uh, I like it. It's got a nice little stage here. We're centering in the show floor by registration and we're yakking. So let's talk about, so let's talk about you, Nate. uh, Nathaniel was just on recently. Um, We had nice conversations last night. I really enjoyed that down to earth fella. And that's, uh, I think the success of,
8: of your product and what you're putting out. So talk to me about the road, man. So the road, um, that all came from an idea that I had, um, just from being and having experience in, uh, video and photography. Yeah. And so, um, me being 23 and all my buddies are the same age. We're kind of, you know, when I had this idea, we were in college and now we're kind of coming out of college, but, um, I wanted to, when we go on these trips, we have a ton of fun and it's just, it's real. And we do it how college kids do it. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're Exactly. <laughs> we can't, we can't afford the, the outfitters. We yeah. can't, you know, none of that. We're doing it, um, you know, on a college kid budget. DIY
0: and it, public land. Exactly. And it went, yeah.
8: We're doing it like that. and We're still having a lot of fun doing it. And so, um, when we go on these trips, we, we always talk about, man, we like, this is cool. Like, I think people would like to see this. And so, um, you know, through my work, with Nathaniel and Slayton glass, uh, where we were able to come up with an idea for the road where we did more of a, I'm not going to say high end production, but a pretty well filmed series of these hunts that we go on as college kids. Um, and so being able to, I took that and I would take my buddies on trips and I would film the whole thing myself. And so it was all me. I'm behind the camera the whole time, but I'm still there. Like I'm still, I'm still part of the hunt because it's my buddies that were having fun, but it was a, you know, filming. It was also exactly. So, um, it was a, it was a fun, um, it was a fun fall for sure. And we had a lot of, a lot of laughs, uh, you know, a lot of fun. Um, I wouldn't have, wouldn't change much about it. So it was cool.
9: I think one of the coolest things about what you're saying, Connor, is. This it hasn't been done in a way where Connor is actually a character in the story even though you don't see yeah. him and it's it's his interviews that drive the thing yeah. so it's like from the perspective of the camera guy that's how the whole thing unfolds and I think it's it's unique in that That's a neat yeah. wrinkler
0: I like that because you gotta admit, like you, you've been at this for a long time you're filming people you're the quiet guy behind the lens like shit goes through your head and, you, you, and you're like I'm, I watched you work and I'm having stuff go through my head like, why are they doing that?
8: Why would you do that? But you got to you, you're you know, you're the silent guy. In this case, not so much. Yeah. That was another case for me. Uh, something that I realized was when you are filming these hunts for, you know, thinking about a full edit and stuff like that, you're like, it's almost like the whole fly on the wall perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And that was really cool especially when um we would go on trips with a couple of my buddies you know we had a trip an episode just came out from nebraska and uh it was my brother curtis um cole mcbride a great buddy of mine and great buddy of mine tyson williams and um you know we've all been friends we grew up together we've all been friends forever and i kind of got to sit back and watch those three you know um how they work together and uh, you know they laugh together and stuff and you know i got to record that and i got to kind of watch it from the, from the fly on the wall perspective, and uh, that was really cool. Also, I mean, also I get to have my fun as well. Yeah, you know? of course. But, I mean, yeah. Look, but
0: it's like me. We have talked about this. You and I, Nathaniel, like to have this be part of my gig and my job. Like you shouldn't have to suffer in your your employ. Like why? What the hell is the point? Like yeah. you should have fun. That's right. So I dig what you're doing. I dig doing this. I'm having yeah. fun. Like people are like, oh, you're gonna talk all day. Uh-huh. Exactly. I have fun. That's fun to me. I, yeah. I have awesome conversations and cool interactions. Like this is storytelling at its most pure.
9: Yeah, I had a buddy who uh, we were on a hunting trip and he, he you know was a marketing guy for an outdoor brand. And he's like, oh, my wife's upset with me again. He's over here playing with his phone, texting. and He's frustrated. I said, well, what's going on? Well, she's she's telling me, oh, you're just having fun on these work trips. I'm like, bro, you don't have to feel bad about that. You enjoy your job. <laughs> but you do, you right?
0: Like, all of a sudden, you're like, I should feel guilty about this. Why? Like, we all, I think every person tries to work to get to that place. Some will never, most will never achieve it. I think, uh too, for you and doing this project, like as young as you guys are, I don't know if you've thought about it this way, but the life lessons and uh, certain habits, like especially patience comes to mind yeah. at such a, you know, a young age, professionally speaking, like a lot of people don't have that, man. Like you have to have a level of patience, yeah, uh, perseverance. There's got to be another P I can throw in there, but I mean that because mm-hmm. you just can't you just can't execute what you've done no and be a, a spaz about
8: it yeah yeah no it, that that's um patience is definitely a, a big factor in it and especially when you take in you know these young 20 age kids i mean everyone knows they're we' we get out there we're all fired up you know we're ready to we want to go out to go 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 i'm 42
0: and i'm still fired <laughs> yeah, up exactly yeah so <laughs> if um, i had what you guys had at that age i would lost my shit
8: <laughs> yeah um yeah, and just so when we get out there and you know, something like that it it uh yeah. That's how many films did you
0: guys do? We did six. That's what I thought, yeah. right? Six. Yeah. And we've so. we've dropped two at this point. Yep,
9: yeah, we got another one ready to go, but we just wanted to wait for convention to kinda of get over with. But it's interesting that there's not a pile of animals harvested on these films really not much at all
8: there's no there's not no but
9: I think that's cool in the fact that hey we went out to Nebraska and we found mule deer and we got close to them, and we didn't know what we were gonna do we just got in the truck and came out here you know maybe we didn't kill a Pope and Young or a Boone and Crockett mule deer but we came out here and we got we found them you know That's cool. So so let me ask you then,
0: and this is the part of the all access
8: of this. Yeah. Did you, when you, like that specific meal, did did you actually expect to find them? Um, So we had, we had been to the area before. So we had, uh, and actually Tyson Williams in that, uh, in that video, he had been there before and had success. And so we kind of already had some, some leads, Um, but we that's one thing that's one thing that we're really good about is we never go into an area like thinking like, oh, we're going to we're all going to fill a tag or whatever. Like we know that it's going to be tough doing what, how we do it. Yeah, because, I in a lot, you know, a lot of the well, I can't say a lot of the stuff you see on YouTube and social media and stuff. Uh, A lot of times it is just kills and success and whatnot. And I think there's a factor in our videos where I think in every single video, I would consider that trip successful because even though if we didn't harvest an animal, uh, just because getting out there with my buddies and getting away from our at home, our jobs, our school is just, it's it's just a different feeling. I'm going to tell you something, man.
0: You're doing something that's so far removed from kids in your demo and your age group. You're not on screens. I mean, you're literally on them for what you're trying to do, but you're not like zombied out, just incessantly scrolling and not even know you're doing it. You're not sitting there, you know, talking to some nerd across the ocean and playing games where, you know, you're not doing anything but pushing buttons. Not, you know, if you play video games, whatever, I don't dig it, but I I just, it's so impressive. It's, It's just like a... like you're raging against the the machine in a way, like societal machine, your age demo, like, you know what? I'm not doing it. We're gonna go be old school. And
9: it pushes back against the trophy culture that we've experienced for the last 20 years because and I, I think people that. are starting to kind of go out of that and say it's not about a trophy. It's about the process and the experience and And I think it's really good to have content that showcases that because uh, so often it's just about, oh, we want to see something die and there's no, I don't know, there's no uh, reward in that for me. I don't no. enjoy just watching. There's ads. no story That's for that. Yeah, no.
8: And even like um, so our first episode we released was a, a South Dakota archery antelope And in that episode, Tyson actually uh, misses one. And it would have been great to, you know, take that animal and we would have, you know, had the pictures and all that and the memories. But also we, I don't, I don't hardly talk to him and without bringing up, um, like, man, what if, what if we would have got that? Like, it drives us, like, we're we're going out (laughs) there. We'll, we'll be back. Like, it just drives us. Like, what if we would have, that would have been so cool if we would actually done that. Cause like I said, we go into these things, not expecting the you no know, we've learned not to expect the best that, that's and, how I am locally I and mean,
4: he
0: knows this from prior conversation yeah. when I go out for deer I never expect to see anything I'm a terrible deer hunter yeah
8: so whenever I see yeah.
0: a doe or anything with a heartbeat that resembles a deer I'm like oh I did it
9: yeah.
0: one more time baby <laughs> <laughs> even if it just resembles a deer a labrador yeah. or whatever yeah. <laughs> labrador in my God. neighborhood dog yeah <laughs> It's funny, I just had Alan Prost on North American Trapper. We were talking about fisher and how they move like big males. And one year I was up, it was freezing cold. I was up way up in a tree, set. I was like more than 20 feet, like really high. And out of the corner of my eye, I just seen this. Holy shit, That's the biggest deer I've ever seen. Cause it was just so big. I thought it was his bag. It's a giant fisher, just cruising. Oh, a little side sidebar there.
8: Yeah. So what's uh, what do you got on tap for this season? <laughs> um this season where are we going well we gotta get through turkey season first yeah we don't know what's <laughs> yeah, gonna happen yeah. we, as
9: a company at Slate Glass we have absorbed so many new projects that we've gotta figure out how to handle that before we decide we're gonna do something extra yeah. like the road you know so um, we just hired another new guy I think we're gonna hire another new another person in the next two weeks so um, there's a lot of projects pop in and we gotta get those things straight it's
0: all in industry or are you doing doing Different stuff.
5: No, you don't we, have to tell me. What no, it is. yeah, no.
9: We've got a lot of stuff. I mean, most of it's gun industry. Uh, we've got a project we're working on that's um, with a Christian book company. Just great content for for them, um, which is outside of our world. And Jonathan, who you met last night, he's a part of the Slate & Glass team now as a um, rep for everything outside the outdoor space. Yes. And and so he's working toward bringing us, you know, some new new
0: projects in other markets, which is a lot of fun. You gotta imagine and again I can hate to keep going back to past conversations, but it's relative that when you put together art, the way you guys put it together, and I'm you know, you know how I'm a fan, like you gotta imagine someone at some point outside of this is, is gonna get a hold of it and you're like, who the hell's doing that? And I need them in my life kind of deal. Well, I mean, your coffee, right? I mean, the print stuff you did for your coffee company and and the video, I mean, that's...
9: Yeah, we're, we're, I appreciate that. We're doing a lot of branding stuff now. Um, that was sort of the beginning of that. And now we've got another huge branding project, a, a full rebrand for a company, a, a major gun company. And they're putting us in charge of, you know, website graphic design, new logos. New, so I'm overseeing the full rebrand, which That's is- a lot of pressure, dude. Yeah, man. And it's like a, we can't do that with a two person team, no. three person team. Um, but it's, it's, it feels really good because I feel like I've been, we've been grinding it out, creating the best content we can for the last several years. And I'm at a place in my life now where I'm not the, 25 year old kid with a camera. Right, right. Um, I'm a person that brands go, hey, we can trust you with our budget and with our brand. Right. And so, hey, run with this. And it's been really fun to see that play out over the last
0: year or so. Typical interview question and then going for a job. Where do you see yourself in five
8: years? Oh, that's a good question. Um, Is this not polite for me to do this for your boss? No, no. I want to no. hear this. Yeah, he, yeah, he probably wants to know this much. Um, Oh I don't know right now I I plan to stay um probably in the video production world um i think i've kind of i'm i think i kind of established myself enough with you know things i've done that i'm i'm able to i'll be here for a little bit so um I'll definitely still be in the the video production world um you know we'll see where it, in in that world we'll see where i end up but i'll still doing videos uh editing and stuff like that i think i'll still be here
0: yeah is there a, is there something you prefer you know again young in the sense of your profession um at this point in your career, is there one style or uh, one subject matter you enjoy? Like you've done, you've done music videos, and then you've done hunting films, and you've done you know other stuff. Just like compare them, juxtapose them to that. Like yeah,
8: yeah um, definitely my, and it's probably just because also, but because okay. hobby influence, but definitely outdoor stuff mm-hmm. is more what I enjoy doing. Yeah. Um, I also, you know, think I i I like it so much i think i do better in the outdoor world if sure having projects doing outdoor stuff i think i'm gonna do better um but uh like the country music stuff that's fun to do the music videos that's yeah. a totally dif- totally different yeah uh, I, I i'm starting to like the more like um setting up like a set you know for a shot stuff i'm starting to like that stuff a little more so that's good um yeah outdoor stuff is definitely um definitely more my style we have a We have a thing we might be doing that's like an agricultural base deal. And, uh, you know, that's something that is interesting too, being that outside type of deal. So, yeah, definitely stuff like that is uh, that's what I like. So, guys, I appreciate you
0: stopping by. Thanks for uh, taking time out of the, the freelancing or whatever they've got you guys doing. I know they got you guys tapped out. So I'm looking forward to seeing the coverage. I appreciate you. Thank you. All right, guys. Have a good day. All right. That was part one. Uh, Once again, thanking all of our guests for making the time. I know some people wanted more time. We definitely could have gone longer on some of these and down the road here. I plan to do that. Right. So we'll be able to bring these in longer form uh, conversations and, and continue pick right up where we left off. But, um, that's part one part two drops thursday and then uh then we're back into the swing of uh, regular scheduled programming every other thursday uh some cool announcements coming up i'll drop the tease now we're putting the final touches on some cool things to come uh for the podcast and the podcast uh area um for spring uh, summer early fall so um stand by that's a tease and uh uh, guys listen we got a challenge put out to you i want everybody who's listening to this right now on their phones on their desktop if you're listening on a platform where you can rate i'm not even asking for a review i just i just need y'all to go especially on on apple iheart i believe and spotify go ahead and rate it takes literally under 10 seconds open that app go right to turkey call all access podcast hit that five star review guys it's going to help this product move up there's there's these algorithms and and all this foolishness in the back anyway there's like two million plus podcasts out there right now. Our space is uh, it's getting a little crowded, let's say. Hey, so, you know, we got a premier product, and, and we want the world to, to see it, and it helps us uh, tell our story, as you well know, as well as our recruiting and uh, bringing people to our membership and bringing people into the your family. So, as part of that, I'm asking you right now: take less than ten seconds, please. Go there, rate right where you can. It, it's under ten seconds hit that five star and then go about your day. And uh, that's me uh, thanking you and saying, Hey, I appreciate you for listening as well as kind of, you know, just taking that one extra step so other people can find it uh, when they go to look for a hunting podcast, when they're searching for a Turkey call, or Turkey hunting podcast, specifically your extra effort helps us get out there and be able to tell more stories and, and bring more people in. So please go ahead, subscribe, Uh, Always so you don't miss a beat Rate where available And if you're so inclined Go ahead and drop a a comment as well Where you can Uh, We always appreciate the feedback That's the the bonus episode for this week guys We will see you again Thursday Part 2 Things have changed in the world Since we were all together in Nashville And we last talked So when I say this now uh, more than ever Take care of each other Love each other Know your neighbors think locally, be kind, man. It is, you can control that in your neighborhood and you can control that in your family and with the people you love and the people you surround yourself with. We'll see you on Thursday. Thanks for the support. We're marching towards the 50th. Don't forget, I forgot healthy yelp we kicked that off at convention guys text yelp y-e-l-p 44321 that's the number to text yelp to the word yelp y-e-l-p for you military homies yankee echo lima papa text it 44321 make a donation better yet bring some folks in and make them members Your membership gives us a bigger voice, and that's how this stuff continues to get done. We'll talk soon, guys. Be good. Keep your heads down. We'll see you. Bye-bye.
2: Turkey hunters find everything you need to succeed at sportsmansguide.com. From decoys and calls to apparel, boots, and blinds. Plus, Sportsman's Guide has much more than just hunting gear. From fishing, camping, and adventure, to family barbecues and backyard bonfires. For everything you love about the great outdoors, you'll find it all at Sportsman's Guide. Shop sportsmansguide.com today.
3: Under the visionary leadership of founder Johnny Morris, Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's is leading North America's largest conservation movement. Their partnership with the National Wild Turkey Federation is a match made in heaven for hunters across America. The Save the Habitat, Save the Hunt initiative continues to be a resounding success with more than $6 million provided for conserving wildlife habitats, recruiting more hunters, and opening more access to hundreds of thousands of acres across the nation. To learn more, go to BassPro.com conservation.
1: Hey y'all, I'm Jason Hart, founder of Nomad Hunting Clothing. Nomad is proud to be a supporting sponsor of the National Wild Turkey Federation and their podcast hosted by my longtime buddy, Fred Berg. At Nomad, we're bringing simplicity and authenticity back to hunting. Whether you hunt to escape your hectic work life, for locally sourced organic meat, or to socialize with friends, to uphold your favorite family traditions, we're with you and we do the same. At Nomad, we understand your gears and investments, so our products are engineered and priced for every hunter, tested in the real world, and designed to last. Hunting is in all of us. Nomad is with you.